Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. Come inside, the show's about to start. Guaranteed to blow your head apart. This is the Shannon Smith Shooting Podcast. Guess it up. All right, folks, welcome back to the Shannon Smith Shooting Show Podcast. Back here with the truck cast again. Oh, man, busy week, or busy month, I should say. I know I'd pimped Dan Bernard on Facebook, who's our one of the newest uh, range masters with USPSA, a local guy here to Florida, as well as a good friend of mine. He's been on the podcast before, and it was a popular topic from the competition standpoint. You can ask you know, certain questions that you get a different perspective on when you're the head official in charge versus the mass director or regular RO or something. But uh, he was in for the monster match, which we just had a couple of weeks ago. But uh, unfortunately, we were just too busy to make it happen between running the match all day. And then by the time you get home and have dinner and a beer or two, you're not really feeling like it. So apologize I didn't get that. I've we talked about it, and it's something that we'll we'll try to get together and do in the future for sure. Because he's got a lot of a lot of good insight. So just finishing up, I had the ICOR or the IRC International Revolver Championship here last weekend, and the weekend before that was the Monster Match, which was something that I started uh, many moons ago with a buddy of mine, Jim Schoonmaker. If you haven't been to the Monster Match or, or don't know what it is, it's worth checking out. It's Eight stages, 400 rounds. So the stages are averaging 50 rounds plus or minus USPSA uh, rules or USPSA sanctioned match, and uh, it's pretty fun. I've, I've uh, honestly, I never shot it because it was it was my match to to produce. And way back when I started it, I never kind of the reason for starting it was uh, I never really wanted to spend my time uh, range officering officering at large matches because I was there to compete first and foremost and this was my way to give back to the sport if you will so it was non-profit when we started and everything went back to the shooters whatever whatever there was match fees was cheap and at the end of the year we tagged it on with Halloween and tied in the monster theme with uh, decorations and you know that's been 14 15 years ago now which is hard to believe it's been that long but uh, now it's turned into you know once I came on with Universal I brought it here and so it's, it's not not-for-profit anymore, but uh, still a super fun match. And everything we do is, is a competition. Yes, yes, it's a competition. But this one's always got that different feel. Like it's just kind of, it's just kind of fun. It's end of the season-ish for non-Florida folk. And, uh, you know, we're here primarily to have a good time. The a costume contest has caught on now, and we have prizes for that. You have to, to shoot in costume. So it's just a good overall experience. If you, if you haven't been down, I'd recommend next year. Uh, trying to check it out. We have a we have a good time with it, and then we rolled right into that from right from that right into the IRC, which was the following weekend. So we had really three days to turn eight stages of Monster Match into fourteen stages of a international championship for the Revolver guys, and uh, that went well too. The Monster Match was a super success. The weather was great, which that always helps, and a good time was had by all. And I think the, the IRC. I uh, just followed that up at great weather again uh, all weekend long. It's not a huge match. You know, we had 140, I think, which is about what it was last year. Uh, moving here from the West Coast for the first time last year. 
and now they're going to move it uh, elsewhere again. So I think their goal is to to move it around in different parts of the country, which, you know, we, we run matches for a living here, so we always want it here, obviously. But uh, as a shooter, you know, I agree it it uh, it should move around the country as well. I think that's the, the best plan. So I wish them all the best and uh, in their future endeavors. I'm headed off now on the road to the Custom Gun Classic down in Punta Gorda. You guys know Dave Jenkins, a buddy of mine, has been on the podcast before. Uh, this is his match down there. Always does a great job with it. He, he calls it the Custom Gun, which is for the high cap divisions, basically. So limited open and now carry optics and PCC. So I'm headed down there to help him build a little bit on Thursday and then shoot and work the match on uh, Friday and Saturday and the weekend. So looking forward to that. And then a little bit of holiday break, kind of, sort of. Um, you know, here in Florida, this is our busy season. So the factory gun championships coming up at the WAC, the Wyoming Antelope Club in Clearwater. I'll be shooting that probably single stack, but I'm not positive yet. That's kind of the opposite of the, of the custom gun. They do the, the lower cap divisions, so production, uh, single stack and revolver. Uh, again, always a great match. They have a, a super tight crew there and a great range and uh, a great club. And they put on a, they put on a great show. I think that that one's probably almost full, but uh, if you can get in, I'd recommend it. It's a, it's a great match in Florida in our busy season. And then that rolls us right into Florida State match in January, Florida Open in February, and then we'll have some three-gun stuff coming in. So this is um, time to get jiggy down here. So looking forward to all that stuff. Don't really have an off-season here in Florida. If we did, it would probably be dead of summer, I guess, is when things die down for us the most, and I try to lay off a little bit and do some teaching and uh, it didn't really happen this summer because the world shoots so we were it's been pretty much non-stop for a year now but wouldn't have it any other way uh, so on this podcast i was going to hit a couple of questions from our facebook and email that come through and you know if you guys have any uh, topics you want to talk talk to want me to talk about hit me up on uh, facebook at shannon smith shooting or uh, email me if you have that, or you can reach me through the website as well, shannonsmithshooting.com. And the, you know, the, the broader range of questions I have, it gives me more opportunity to talk about different things. And as you guys know, I'm usually driving around in the car thinking about this stuff anyway, so I might as well say it out loud and maybe we can all benefit from it. Uh, so I had a few questions here I, I picked out for, for this episode. shouldn't be too awful long. Uh, Matt asked about shooting with both eyes open and how do you train yourself to do that uh, he didn't specify iron sights or or a uh, red dot sight but i'll assume he's talking about iron sights uh i mean that's a good it's a good question it comes up a lot in classes and you know for me i don't ever remember shooting with one eye um i'm sure i did when i started because that's pretty much instinct i think that's how everybody does it but really from you know, from the earliest times in the military when I really started shooting a lot of pistol, um, I never remember struggling struggling with trying to go two eyes open. I think it always just kind of happened to me. But what I've seen a lot in classes, uh, many, many, many times when I have a student that's, that's shooting with one eye, uh, oftentimes they don't even realize they're shooting with one eye. Uh, sometimes they do. Uh, but many, many times I'll, I'll ask them about it and they say, well, I really struggle with having double vision. I'm seeing two sights or I'm seeing two targets when I try to shoot with both eyes open. And 
uh, let's say as a right-handed shooter, for example, uh, I'll ask them if uh, they do anything left-handed, like throw a baseball or, you know, sometimes they shoot a rifle or, you know, if, if they're, like for me, I can't hardly do anything left-handed. So, but what I find many times, and this is true with the cross dom dominance as well, uh, probably even more so, but what I find many times is that yes, they do in fact do some stuff left-handed and uh, they're not as one-sided as, as, as most people are. So what I've always wondered there, I've, I don't know if there's any studies on this or not, but what I've always wondered is like on the, on the strong hand weekend or, or whether you're, whether you're left-handed or right-handed type of deal. Uh, what I've always wondered is like, is that a nature versus nurture thing? If for example, you know, if you're a kid and your dad's right-handed and he teaches you to throw a baseball with your right hand or teaches you to swing a golf club with your right hand, um, but your left eye dominant, you know, should you have been left-handed? Um, Something I've always crossed my mind, and now that I have a one-year-old daughter, it's it'll be interesting to see. I may experiment with her and see what happens. But um, so then, you know, if that's all, if that's the only way you learn, then that's the way you're going to do it. When all along, maybe you know, maybe you should have been left-handed. I, I don't know. But what I find oftentimes is that they're pretty close to being able to do stuff with their weak hand. And so what I think that that leads to is that they don't have an eye that's as dominant as maybe I do, for example. And that makes it more difficult for your brain to decide which eye is in charge. There, that's when you get the double vision and you're seeing two front sights and that kind of thing, in my non-doctor, non-scientific opinion. Uh, so a couple things. Number one is not the end of the world. I mean, shooting with one eye, um, I don't think it's best, but it's also, it's not going to kill you, I don't think. Uh, there's some good shooters out there that, that I know uh, that shoot with only one eye. Uh, number two, if there are some exercises I think you can do. Um, I've seen, you've seen the, the, the opaque tape, like a piece of scotch tape or something that's, that you can see through, but it's fuzzy. Put that over your non-dominant eye and then shoot with both eyes open. And that's going to make your brain uh, more apt to pick up what your strong eye is seeing. And, you know, you could even occlude it totally in the beginning and then try, um, know something that's just opaque and, and you know try to get less and less of a of a distraction or a blur until you take everything off and you're and you're looking free um so i, I would try that and I, I know people that, that have shot with a tape on their glasses forever and that's just their shooting glasses have that on there and that's just the way they shoot uh, so that could be something you could try as well and i think the two eyes is better because you have a, a better picture of what's going on in front of you with your uh, transitions your, your eyes available to move quicker, pick up the target faster, and you're, you know, you are wasting time trying to close an eye and get that focus on your sight again. If, for example, you look over, identify the target with both eyes, and then as you're drawing or transitioning, presenting the gun to the target, you're then having to close one eye, and that's causing some facial muscle muscle distortion going on. And so there's a lot of little things that aren't ideal, but not the end of the world. So I would try the tape would be the first thing I'd try. And then uh, this doesn't really have to do with uh, with dominance, but, uh, you know, two eye, eye exercises that I do, not as much anymore, but I did a lot, is lay on your back and look up at a ceiling fan and try to uh, freeze the fan blades. So you're trying to follow the fan blade in a circle with your eye and with your eyes. And when you do it correctly, 
it'll all of a sudden look like the fan's not moving at all and you're just looking at a single blade that's sitting there stationary and probably can't do it on high you have to try it on low and then try it on medium uh, and you can't hold it forever because your eyes moving in a circle tracking that fan blade uh, eventually you're going to lose it but you know do it a few times and and see how long you can you can keep that blade frozen um i have no idea what that really does but you can certainly feel your eye muscles working and you know it's something i did a lot years ago uh, just to get used to moving those eyes moving those eyes and then another another drill for lack of a better word and this is probably the safest drill in the world but uh, when you're driving if you know we're here in florida so there's always a good supply of bug guts on your windshield i'll shift my focus from uh, a street sign or a, or a speed limit sign down the road to where i can see it clearly and read it and then shift my focus back to the windshield and try to see that squished bug or those bug guts in the in the best detail that you can really focusing your attention on that like you would a front sight and then back down the road uh, you're not just looking off in the distance you need to you need to be focusing on something so you need to pick a focal point either again street sign or a stop sign or whatever something that you can you can clearly focus in on and then back to the bug guts and then back to the sign and then back and again a few of those you'll, you'll feel some fatigue in your eyes by by working that focus because that's what we're doing as we're shooting with iron sights um, much of the time is having to drive that focus back and forth from the target to the site, from the target to the site. Um, so again, try the tape. Hopefully that works for you. And then a couple of eye exercises you can play with at home and see how that works for you as well. Uh, so that leads us into the next question. Uh, Face asks about a soft or intermediate focus when shooting iron sights. So that's an interesting question, and it's funny how you ever notice, like, if you've never heard a word before or you've never heard a phrase before, you know, as soon as you learn it, it seems like you hear it five times that week. Uh, that's the way this has been. So an intermediate or what I call a uh, soft focus is neither, we're talking about shooting with iron sights now, is neither focused on the target nor focused on the sight. And it's something I've always done, but it's something I never taught. I, I teach three types of, of focus when shooting iron sights, and none of them were that. Uh, pretty much either, for lack of a, getting into detail, you're either target-focused or you're sight-focused. And the reason I never really taught that wasn't that I was holding anything back. Um, you know, most people probably aren't ready for it, number one. But the main reason is I didn't really know how to teach it. Like, how do you... I didn't know how to tell somebody to focus on a piece of air in the middle of nowhere, you know, eight yards down the road between you and that 15-yard target. Um you can't focus on the air so i you know i really didn't understand how to explain it um you know really understand how to explain what i was doing so i kind of never taught it and then i had a class this year earlier this year with a guy a really good shooter master level shooter and we were going through my my site uh, picture descriptions as a part of my fundamental block of instruction and he asked me about an intermediate focus and I was like, whoa, 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 how do you know about that? That's, that's secret squirrel shit. And he had just come from a Max Michelle shooting experience or pro experience or whatever he calls it out in Vegas uh, just that last week or, or two weeks prior uh, where Travis Tomasi was a, uh, a guest host or a guest instructor. Travis, obviously world champion, one of the best iron shooters in the world, uh, was talking about that. I was like, oh, that's interesting. So, I mean, it's, 
it was interesting to me that at least to know somebody else was doing it and I wasn't some freak out there doing something weird. Uh, so we got into it and, you know, I explained as best I can what I'm doing. And then just later that same week or the ne- very next week, I was listening to a podcast with Mike Seeklander and I forget who he was talking to, but they were talking about the same thing. And the way Mike described it is he sees the picture, and I, when I say picture, not necessarily sight picture as I would describe it, but he sees everything that he's looking at in two dimensions or one dimension. He sees it like, like, a, like a physical picture, like a Polaroid picture, or for you young kids, like an like a iPhone selfie of your, of your gun. So if you're looking, looking behind the sights, the sights are lined up on the target, and if you could snap a snapshot of that, uh, that's how he described it. Like, I don't really see depth. I see it all as one thing. And I thought that was uh, an interesting way to describe it as well. And it, it really is just that. You know, it's not, neither, neither element is in clear focus. So we talk about the bug gut drill where you're looking down to the sign and then back to the bug and then down to the sign. You're, the, the point of that drill is to clearly focus on each thing. So I'm clearly focusing on the target and then shifting my sights back and clearly focusing on the sight. Um, this is neither. So if you were to look, really nothing is nothing is, is in clear, clear focus. Uh, everything is equally shitty, for lack of a better word. You know, and it's it's all about speed. So to to um, to take something extreme, for example, let's say we had five poppers at 50 yards that were that were 10 yards apart from each other. Uh, in order to make in order to be really successful making that sh- making those shots, I would suggest you identify the first target, pick a spot on that first target, drive your sights to that spot, and then as you're prepping the trigger, you're going to shift your focus back to the front sight, and you're going to hold that focus on your front sight as you ease through the brake, allowing the gun to, to go off, allowing the recoil to start. Then your eyes shift to the second target, picking the spot, driving the gun that way as you're prepping the trigger, shifting your focus back to the front sight and repeat. You know, for, for, for an extreme accuracy shot, uh, I highly recommend you are focused on the front sight. And I do that as well. Now, you can certainly hit without, but you're going to be much more successful if you take that extra little bit of time to get that focus on the front sight. But most of our targets in the game are not like that, right? Most of our targets are much bigger and much closer. Uh, depending on where you shoot, I know around our range, you know, 12 to, to 15 on an open target is, is probably the norm. And for that type of shooting, you don't need that level of accuracy. You don't have to have that level of precision because we're looking for speed. Uh, so that's where the, you know, the intermediate focus would come into play. Uh, I run with a lot of target focus. And as your skill gets better, you're, you're able to, you know, shoot further and further back with a target focus. But I also use a lot of that intermediate focus. Uh, where you are aware, I am aware and cognizant of my of my front sight and my sight picture, where it is on the target. I'm conscious of the spot that I'm aiming on the target, and I'm paying attention to that sight as I manipulate the trigger, assisting me in not jerking the trigger off target. So you're kind of taking in all that information uh, at one time and kind of processing it all together as opposed to picking the spot, shifting your focus, uh, watching the sight, etc. Uh, so that, you know, that's the best way I can describe it. Uh, I am in a, in a transition, for example. 
I am looking over, picking up that spot on the target with a target focus, but the gun's not there yet. I'm driving the gun from the other target, or maybe I'm coming off of a draw stroke. Uh, so there's really nothing to focus on anyway in terms of a sight, because it's not there. As that sight's starting to come into play, come into the picture, that's when I'm going to soften up that focus on the target, bring that depth in about halfway or so, and pick up my sight picture as well, kind of seeing all things in that one two-dimensional Polaroid picture. Uh, so not not super clear, I don't reckon, but it's just a, diff it's a difficult thing to teach, especially without having you in front of me to work on it. But uh, that's the best way I know how to describe it. And a lot of guys out there are doing that, so it's, it's certainly something that you want to play with in your practice. Uh, changing gears a little bit, got time for one more. Uh, David M. asked about PCC and uh, what drills are good for starting out. Uh, so I'll hit on this real quick. I've, um, I'm liking PC, PCC a lot. It's been a nice break coming off the world shoot and busting my hump shooting open gun for two or three years pretty much nonstop. So since then, which has been a month or two really only, uh, I've been shooting PCC. So I shot at the Monster Match. That was super fun. 50 round stages with a mini rifle was awesome. And uh, as you've heard me talk before, I, you know, I never shot the Monster Match in the past. And frankly, 50 round stages don't do a lot for me. I don't, I don't think that's a lot of fun with a pistol. I'm more technical. I like, I like more of the IPSC style, style stages where you have a shorter technical course with a couple of movers and some steel. But this is America. We like things big, fast, close, and I certainly re, uh, respect that and understand. So when it's time to put on a match for my customers, 50 round stages. Uh, so I never really shot it with a pistol, but last year I shot it in PCC, and this year I shot it in PCC, and uh, that was pretty fun. And now I got one of those Mega Mag thingamajiggers from MBX with a 57-round magazine on a extension on a Glock mag. Uh, so that was cool. No reloads and just grip it and rip it. So that was fun. And then this week, actually, good time for this question. Uh, this week I just had my first uh, PCC class that was a dedicated student that was interested in PCC. Uh, so that was fun too. We learned we learned a lot in uh, some techniques and some training drills. Uh, so what I'd say for drills starting out, it's, it's very easy. The, the biggest thing with a rifle is finding that dot and getting that dot on target as quickly as possible. Whether you're coming off the start position, uh, you know, with USPSA, it's, it's primarily, um, you know, what I would call a port arms, but it's buttstock touching your belt muzzle generally downrange so it doesn't really have to be port arms in the sense that your muzzle is up but it is out of it is well out of your shoulder uh, so getting that gun up on your shoulder and aimed at the target uh, are important and then it, you know some some sports maybe run a low ready like steel challenge runs a low ready maybe three gun nation sometimes runs a low ready um, and you'll see it in uspsa occasionally i guess but their their default is that port arms like position uh, but everything is getting that mount. So when I teach pistol, we start with a foundation, which is grip, stance, and draw. With PCC or with a rifle, it's grip, stance, and mount. And a lot of my you know, PCC training with uh, working on that class this week and my own training is coming from the rifle. I've been teaching carbine for many years and shooting carbine for many years, and it's the same damn thing. We're just dealing with uh, closer targets. So that's the, that's the biggest thing, Dave, you're going to have to get 
and it depends a little bit on where you're coming from. If you're if you're coming from an iron sight division, uh, like production or limited or something, for example, then you're going to have to learn how to use the dot as well, which is you know pretty drastically different from the way we use iron sights. If you're coming from carry optics or open, it's not going to be that that big of a transition. You know, once you're behind the gun and running the dot, it's no different than shooting anything else with a dot. Uh, but the biggest drill starting out is going to be getting that gun mounted with the least amount of motion in your head and shoulders that you can, you know, getting it on target. Wherever you look, that's where the gun has to go, just like a pistol. So whether you're coming off of a, a ready position start or you're transitioning from one target to another, you know, transition is just like, uh, just like a pistol. Your eyes are going to lead the gun. And then you got to drive that gun to the target. And the more precise that gun can stop on that spot that you're looking at, you know, you're making money. You're saving, you're banking yourself time to work the trigger properly and uh, get on the sights, get on the target. So I would do, you know, you can do this live fire if you've got the time and ammo budget to, to do it. But you can do a whole lot of this in dry fire as well. And it's just simply in your living room with a target or two or three and driving that gun out, getting up to that mounted position uh, with that dot landing the proper cheek weld right at that spot that you're looking. And I, I can't go through the whole grip and mount procedure on the on the voice. I need to have you in front of me to, to show that. But so there's some techniques to get that up there quicker and more efficiently, more efficiently. Uh, but start with you want the least amount of movement going on as you can. You know, so I'm trying to drive that gun up to my shoulder, get that proper cheek weld uh, without a lot of head and shoulder movement. Obviously, your arms are going to have to move to get the gun up there, but we want to try to avoid, you know, turtling your shoulders up or ducking your head down or cranking your head over uh, to try to get behind that dot. You want all that positioning to be there, and you're just bringing the gun to you. Good old uh, uh, full metal jacket, you know, move the rifle around your head, not your head around the rifle type, type of thing. So I'd work on that and then transition, same thing, you know, from, from that aimed in position on target, move your eyes ahead of the gun, drive that gun to the spot, move your eyes again, drive that gun to the spot. As the transitions get wider, you're going to have to break that cheek weld so you can get your head around and spot that target. And then bam, you're slapping yourself in the face again, getting that cheek weld back, driving that gun to target. Uh, so there's a couple of drills I would recommend to get started on. And then when you're ready, come see me and we'll get some classes down and get that baby ready to rock. Hope you guys have a good weekend if you're out shooting. I will uh, should be back to more regular podcasts now that we've got our partially our crazy season over with before we get, uh, get going again in the first of the year. But until then, see you on the range. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along.